Sawate to Skipoli, and welcome again to another episode of Latin in Layman's. So for today, we're not going to be doing a myth. We're just going to be diving into a lot of words that you see in your modern world um, that are all derived from either Greek or Latin. Predominantly, this is going to be from Greek, but a lot of really great words. And what we're going to be doing is talking about what they are and the etymology, because sometimes the etymology can also overlap with the history of how that word came to be. So that's really what we're going to dive into today. We're going to dive into words that you have seen, maybe like democracy or cynicism or dinosaur, for instance. Also things like melancholy or nostalgia, for instance. So if you are curious and you want to learn something new and apply these words in your life with a little bit more added knowledge, let's dive on into it. And before we dive on into it, I got to remind my lovely folk listening here, all my omnes, that's a little redundant because omnes means every or all. So all my all, all my, all my people, um, if you guys haven't already, would really appreciate you guys popping on over to wherever you actually listen to your podcasts to show me some support. Haven't seen any sort of movement in uh well, really in uh the uh Spotify realm, but um, we did get a new uh, rating on uh, Apple Podcast, of which um, a four-star rating, but you know what? It is what it is. That's brought us up to 19 ratings. Um, I think that's because maybe somebody actually may have changed and or uh, um, revised the rating, which, you know what? That's all good in the hood. I feel like I've been saying some very... Uh, controversial things as of late. So maybe I said something that maybe somebody did not like. And you know what? That's okay. You have the power of changing your rating to reflect how you feel about the show. So you know what? I appreciate objectivity and I appreciate what I deserve. So if I deserve a four-star rating, thank you for being here with me and uh, giving your objective uh, thoughts on my show. And if those that have some opinions and have some critiques of my show would like to give me them, please, I am very receptive to all sorts of criticism. Um, being Having been a middle school teacher, especially, oh, the, the, like I, I've realized that uh, taking things personally is a very futile thing. So please email me. Liam Connerly at gmail.com, Latin and Layman's at gmail.com would appreciate to hear from you and uh, what you might have to uh, say. So uh, with that being said, let's dive on into it. All right. So with that being said, let's dive on into our first word. Our first word here that we're going to look at is acrobat. This comes from the word acri or the acron here, which refers to tip or edge in the Greek, and the verb wino, meaning to walk, essentially. I don't really know how to pronounce that. It's spelled V-A-I-N-O. So essentially, uh, walks on the edge or walks on the tip, essentially. An, acu an acrobat essentially is someone who walks on the edge, often on tiptoes, essentially. Um, they're walking on 
tight ropes. Uh, yeah, you know, they're doing all their crazy acrobatic um, parkour type stuff. So there you go. Our next one is cemetery. Um, so a lot of Greek words used in English like to disguise themselves as kind of old French and or Latin a lot of the time. Um, so, for example, this cemetery word actually comes from the Greek word koimain, uh, which means to sleep, which is also the root word for another word in the Greek, uh, koimaterion, which refers to a dormitory, right? A dormitory where you sleep because dormio in Latin means to sleep. Um, that's where the derivations kind of changed from that K to the D. Um, so it's kind of creepy though, when we call our final places of rest dormitories, uh, for the dead, but that's just me. Anyways, um, next one that we'll get into here is cynicism. So the word cynicism comes from the Greek word kinikos or kin, kinikos, um, spelled K-Y-N-I-K-O-S, which means dog-like essentially because the cynics, which was a school in ancient Greek myth, uh, philosophy, rather not mythology, um, they were known for their simple ascetic lifestyle, ascetic meaning without really anything, right? That's what Siddhartha did after he had realized that it wasn't about being an opulent prince, that he wanted to figure out how to be enlightened. So he went and decided to go fast under a fig tree for 40 days and be ascetic that way and realized it, that wasn't the, the answer either. But in this case, these guys were ascetic and their outspoken criticism um, of social conventions was kind of like at the forefront, the cynics. Um, they were often compared to dogs who were seen as independent and untamed creatures. So the cynics were, I believe they were, fan, fa they were founded by... Um, uh, it was a, uh, he was a student of Socrates. I forget his name. Um, but he believed that the only true good uh, was virtue um, and that everything else was basically a distraction, essentially. So he argued that the people should live in accordance with nature, which meant rejecting material possessions, social status, um, kind of even family ties. Like these guys kind of cut themselves apart from the, the, the their, you know, the, the the modern or their modern world, essentially. Um, yeah. So uh, the most famous cynic I remember was Diogenes of Sinope. Uh, Sinope is a city in Turkey now, I believe. Um, Diogenes lived in a barrel and begged for food, essentially. That's what he did. He was known for his sharp wit and his willingness to challenge conventional wisdom. Um, he once famously told Alexander the Great to, to get out of his son, uh, when the king came to visit, essentially his, uh, I guess his shadow was blocking the view of the sun, which I always thought was very funny. So the cynics were, it was a minority movement, but they were very significant in their influence later on with philo philosophers uh, that tied with the Stoics and the Epicureans. Um, so yeah, if you didn't know, now you know. That's where the cynics come from, or the cynicism comes from. Um Next one, democracy. Good old democracy, it combines the words demos, meaning people, and kratos, meaning power or ruling, uh, meaning the power of the people, uh, essentially the quintessential Greek word used in English to simply um, explain power to the people. Dinosaurs, our next one here. Um, well, 
I don't know, how would you describe a dinosaur? I if I if I saw a dinosaur be like a gigantic fearing fear like reptile thingy, I don't know. Uh but the the name actually comes from the Greek. Um it comes from Danos, meaning terrible, and Savra, meaning lizard, Saura. Um so terrible lizard essentially is what dinosaur means. Um Another funny one that I was talking about, actually, I, I believe last episode was di- uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Tyrannus in uh, the Latin means ruler, but like a tyrant ruler rather than just a king like a Rex Regis. Um, but that's where you get Tyrannosaurus Rex. There we go. So you have Tyrannus, meaning king or tyrant. Saurus coming from Saura, meaning lizard. And then you have Rex, meaning king again. So tyrant, lizard, king. Tyrant, lizard, king. That's what Tyrannosaurus Rex means. Next one that we're going to get into is Europe. And according to ancient Greek mythology, Europe was a mythological process. um, I'm not process, princess with uh, big, beautiful eyes. A trait reflected in very in the very origins of her name, aka Euros, meaning broad, and then Ops, meaning eye optical, right? So when the the god Zeus laid his own eyes on her, it was love at first sight. Just as we know, Zeus, uh, I don't know, it was like Tiger Woods. He quickly transformed himself. <laughs> love you, Tiger. Um, he quickly transformed himself into a white bull and spirited her off into a faraway land where we now call Europe. If you're right there now, um, check your wall for some change. Greece has some immoral, uh, immortalized the story, so much so that the, uh, the national uh, version of the two euro, euro coin has, um, has the symbol. Next one that we're going to get here is galaxy. Um, Galaxy comes from uh, two words. Gala, meaning milk in the Greek. And then, uh, well, because the galaxy kind of looks like a a Milky Way, essentially. Well, that's why we call it the Milky Way, right? So according to one myth, the Milky Way was created by Zeus's baby son, Heracles after he had tried suckling on his stepmother's milk while, while he was, um, or while she was rather, uh, she was still asleep. So when Hera awoke, she uh, discovered that she was breastfeeding an infant that was actually not her own. She pushed the child away, causing the milk to spurt into the universe. I know it doesn't really sound all too appealing when I speak, uh, when, when I, say it like that, but that's essentially how it came to be, according to mythological fashion, aka another ideological myth to explain the unexplainable, and in this case, the galaxy. Um, Next one we have is Hermaphrodite. Speaking of the gods, we have, well, Hermaphrodite was a son of uh, Hermes and Aphrodite, um, who apparently really couldn't be bothered uh, with finding a new name for their child, so they just put both their names together as the most handsome man in the world in the world essentially at that time uh hermaphrodite became the object of affection for the nymph uh 
nymph um, Salmakis. After wishing for eternal love, um, I believe the gods answered her prayer by joining the two lovers in one body, a.k.a. making a man and woman together, a.k.a. hermaphrodite. Next one we have Marathon. Marathon, thousands of long-distance foot races take place every year all around the world, right? That's when I was talking about how we try and seek uncomfort in our comfortable world. Marathons, triathlons, all those kinds of things. You know, we try and like put ourselves in that um, stress because, you know, we, we live in a life that is rather cush in nature that's why we do these iron man events that's why we do cold plunges right we're 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 giving ourselves added hermetic stresses in our lives anyways officially a marathon is about 42.1 kilometers aka about 26.1 miles um in a nod to the actual distance between two greek cities in the legend um really um Sorry, brain fart. Uh, I'm trying to remember the the date. It was because we know it's important. 49 BCE. That's right. No, 490 BCE. There we go. Uh, Phidippes ran all the way from uh, Athens or to Athens from the battlefield in Marathon to announce to the world that the Persians had been defeated at the well aptly named Battle of Marathon. So that's where we got the name. Actually, it refers to the distance between. Uh, the uh, this is distance between Marathon, the Battle of Marathon, and Athens. So after that victorious announcement, he collapsed and he died. So, yep, there you go. Marmalade is going to be our next one here, uh, although this is definitely an English word, uh, and it's taken from the Portuguese. You can actually trace it further back to the Greek words meli, meaning honey, and milo, meaning apple. So... Apple honey, essentially, is what it means. Uh, so some sources, actually, from uh, the ancient Greeks, they liked cooking quinces, a.k.a. marmalos in uh, the Portuguese, with honey, essentially. Okay, so if you didn't know, now you know. Apples with honey. It's kind of a thing. Melancholy. Melancholy, which is the, uh, the common Greek word used in English uh, to have... Uh, Kind of a weird etymology, but I, I appreciate it because it comes from the Greek words melis, meaning black, and kole, meaning bile. Um, this was of the, you know, the four uh, humors, essentially. It was thought that when your spleen produces an excess amount of black bile, you feel gloomy. That's what they believed at the time. Um, this belief is rooted in the ancient Greek school of medicine called humorism, which hypothesized that the body fluids aka the humors aka why we called it humorism uh directly influenced a person's mood okay so uh black bile essentially is what melancholy refers to music music literally means the art of the muses um the nine greek goddesses who presided over the arts and sciences the concept of a museum was originally intended to be the shrine for the muses. So if you didn't know, now you know that's where actually museum and music actually have uh, similar linguistic qualities, even though they are rather similar yet different things. Oh, let's do one that we actually just dove into uh, in our last episode here, narcissism, which comes from the ancient Greek mythological picture, 
figure, Narcissus, who was the young man that we all very well know and probably would have fell in love with as well. Because when everybody who ever saw this young man fell in love with them, uh, but he pushed them all away. And when he finally saw his reflection in his lake, fell so passionately in love with himself, um, you know, after the fact that he had disregarded the nymph um, and uh, he fell in love with himself, withered away, leaving no trace behind, but his flower and then with Echo, leaving no trace but, uh, behind but her voice. Next one, panic. The word panic actually comes from the name of the Greek, the ancient Greek goat god Pan. And Pan spread terror among uh, nymphs like Echo. So if you didn't know, that's where panic comes from. It comes from the Greek god, goat god Pan, because he... Uh, was half man, half goat. Uh, well, we know this one very well, but uh, phobia. Phobia coming from another word for terror. Phobia is an irrational fear. And there are many strange phobias with names also derived from Greek. We have trypophobia. We have uh, xenophobia. We have arachnophobia. We have all kinds of phobias. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to get into it anymore because I really don't have much to say other than that. Next one, though, planet. Another word for the heavens, essentially. Planet comes from the Greek word play, plano may, plano my. It's spelled P-L-A-N-O-M-A-I, which means to wander which I think is pretty cool. To the ancient Greeks, planets were simply wandering stars. That's the way that they kind of uh, assessed them when looking up at the sky. Next one, sarcasm, coming from the Greek words sarx, meaning flesh. And uh, that chasm, just kind of referring to pertaining to. So sarcasm actually describes, well, metaphorically, the act of stripping one's flesh off with uh, searing comments. That's why I don't really like sarcasm. Sarcasm is not really needed. And uh, I know people that speak only through sarcastic commentary and it gets, it gets old. It gets old. People that know, it gets old. Schizophrenia, however, is combining the word schizen, meaning to split, and freinen, meaning mind. So essentially a split mind and it's the meaning of, uh, well, the meaning of this particular Greek root word uh, was used in English as being pretty self-explanatory, in my opinion. So a split mind, schizophrenia, there you go. Psychophant. If you've never heard of this word, uh, the origin of this example is a bit obscure, as no one really knows for sure where it comes from, but there are speculations. One story, one story ties the word Scott, psycho, rather, psycho meaning fig, and the verb phanen, which means to show. This is where we get epiphany, epiphanen, aka to show and 
epi meaning upon, so upon to show her the above showing, because epi can mean upon, above, like epipen or epidermal, upon the skin. Anyways, epilogue meaning after, so after can also have that that semblance of being upon or above. Um, so anyways, the verb uh, to show. So back when stealing and exporting figs was considered a crime, that's where we're thinking that it came from, aka to show figs, a sycophant. Um, people who informed on those breaking this particular law, law were actually called sycophants. Um, I love the etymology sometimes of diving into these words. People, <laughs> people stealing figs, man. Figs are delicious. Of course, the meaning of the word has changed a lot since then. So if you didn't know, now you know. And what is a sycophant? Well, basically, a sycophant is just kind of like, if I can think of like a synonym for a sycophant, kind of like a leech, kind of a parasite kind of person. It's a person who acts, acts kind of obsequiously, obsequiously towards another person that is important in order to gain kind of an advantage. So like, for instance, prime minister is probably surrounded by sycophants. Um, and obsequious, ob meaning against, and sequious coming from sequor means to follow. So what follows against, essentially. So they're following against really what this person of importance is, uh, you know, conducting themselves as, but they're trying to gain, uh, I don't know, something. They're leeches. That's what a sycophant is. And then the, back in the day, they were the people that stole figs, um, a.k.a. leeches. Anyways, we've got Speed Racer in the background here trying to hit Mach 5. It sounds like all these people around here in Colorado with their cars. Jesus. Teleword. Or, well, teleplus word, essentially, is what I meant by that. Um, there are a lot of scores of ancient Greek words used in English that start with tele, like telephone, telepathy, um, telegraph. You know, it just is a prefix denoting distance. So a telephone carries your voice across the distance. A telescope helps you see far off places because scoipen means to see or to look. A telegraph, graph means to write. Telegraph lets you send long distance messages. Last one that we're going to get into here is thespian. Thespian is a fancy word for an actor, especially a theater actor. The name comes from Thespis himself, who was um, a 6th century BCE um, ancient Greek poet who was said to be the first person ever to appear on stage as an actor. So that's where we get thespian coming from Thespis in the historical context, coming all the way back from BCE 6th century. So... If you learned something new, love your support and would appreciate very much so popping on over to wherever you can support me. And hey, you know what? Maybe I've earned not a five star, but some sort of other rating. Appreciate you guys for sticking with me and trying to learn something new and trying to expand your mind because at the end of the day, that's what's all, what it's all about. It's about growing up in this world and continue to growing and continuing to grow in this world. So thanks again, you guys. I'm going to take a moment here and let's pause and just kind of think about our bodies spatially, right? You know, maybe you have your feet planted on the ground. Maybe you can kind of avert the, the, the feeling 
or the thoughts of what it feels like to have both of your feet planted on the ground. And if they're in shoes, then maybe feel like you're trying to spread your toes in your shoes, right? Try and spread them. Feel feel your little individual digits kind of trying to wiggle around a little bit. Thank your feet because they carry your body through this life. And sometimes they get a little tired and you got to rest a little bit. And I think that we ought to remember that we don't think about the pads of our feet and how they, you know, make contact with this world so much more than any other part of our body probably. And yet, you know, because we don't really see it, we don't engage with it, we don't think about it, just like the words that we use. We just use them. We don't think about them. But now let's think about them a little bit more critically. Because that's what it's all about. Critically understanding the language that we use in order to manipulate it, in order to command our lives in a way that we want. Be empowered by yourselves. Be empowered by your language. Be empowered by your diction. Because it carries you through this life as well. And it can either be facilitative, facilitative or debilitating. So until next time, y'all. Tempo Sessed. Just get right.